the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Business 1440. KYCR, Golden Valley, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Australia's Prime Minister Scott Morrison has called up about 3,000 reservists as the threat of wildfires has escalated in at least three states. He says he's bringing in some extra help. The priority of this deployment is to assist ensuring the safety of life, to support the evacuation of affected people, particularly in isolated communities. And Correspondent Rita Foley reports higher oil prices are happening in the wake of the killing of an Iranian general. Experts worry that a vengeful Iran might disrupt worldwide supplies of energy from the Middle East. If oil prices go up, it could mean higher gas prices, higher fuel prices for airlines, too, and higher heating and electricity bills. That could throttle the global economy at a time when it's already slowing. That is correspondent Rita Foley reporting, and this is SRN News. Sebastian Gorka here for Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that was formulated by doctors to help your body deal with inflammation and pain. The reason I've told so many of my friends about the three-week quick start is because as we get older, occasional aches and pains can be a real problem, keeping you from sleeping through the night or doing the things you love and need to do, like taking walks or playing golf, going up or downstairs, or simply playing with your kids or grandkids. Tens of thousands are now like me, glad they ordered the three-week quick start for just nineteen ninety-five. After years of back pain, I found relief, and I believe you could too. Folks, this is why the father and son owners of Relief Factor, Pete and Seth Talbot, created the three-week quick start, and they discounted it to only nineteen ninety-five. Approximately 70% of those who order it go on to order more. Let's see if we can get you out of pain too. Go to relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or call 800-500-8384. I loved playing high school sports. I loved the competition, the camaraderie, the bands, the crowds, all the pageantry. And I wanted to keep playing. But I graduated. No colleges called and neither did the pros. So, to stay close to the game I loved, I decided to become a high school official. You know, a referee. When I played high school sports, I learned the importance of integrity, good sportsmanship, and respect for the rules. Now as a high school official, I get to help model these same values to others. Maybe the colleges and the pros didn't call, but the kids in Minnesota did. And now I'm enjoying the competition, the camaraderie, the bands, the crowds, and all the pageantry of high school sports all over again. Interested in becoming a licensed high school official? Go to highschoolofficials.com to learn more and begin the application process. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. The Wall Street Business Network is on the air. Uh, I'm excited. This economy is on fire. It's the King Banyan Show. Let me emphasize that correlation is not causation. As an educator and former legislator, Professor Banyan steps out of the classroom and onto the airwaves to break down the local and national economic news that matters to you. Unemployment is low because everyone has two jobs. Please bring on the recession. It's the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Now, here's King Banyan. Welcome, King Banyan Show on Job Saturday. I was half wondering if we were going to get, took my gerbs drop in right there. Uh, sometimes happens on a Job Saturday, and particularly on a Job Saturday that contains a a multitude of good news, not least of which Ed Morrissey joining us at the bottom of the hour here on the show, uh, because uh, he had not one but two posts about the jobs report yesterday over at hotair.com. We've linked to them both. Uh, on We do not keep a 
we do not keep a website like the hot air because hot air is his job and i don't my job does not involve uh writing anymore except uh, reports about about the university up here uh, I, I'll, actually, I do some writing, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that later in the show today. Uh, but what a job support. And this was quite the story of the week, which was that everyone was kind kind of trying to figure out, well, what's going to happen? I don't know. And then on Wednesday, we get the report from ADP. Okay, so ADP is a is a company that uh, stands for Automated Data Processing, and they basically do payrolls uh, for most larger businesses and even medium-sized businesses. Those companies that outsource their payroll office usually use a company like ADP, and so ADP collects data from its customers and combines them into doing a forecast of private sector employment. It comes out on the Wednesday before the Friday jobs report. And the number publishes Wednesday morning. I'm sitting having uh, having the last of my uh, morning oatmeal before I head out the door to work. Uh, and up pops the ADP survey on my iPad, and it says 3,000 3, private sector jobs. Right. What? It's pretty small. And everyone's like, oh, oh, this is really, really bad. Um, and, and sure enough, the, um, the uh, talking heads, the, the, the pundits that appear on Bloomberg and CNBC and and even the folks on Fox Business were like, well, you know, it might not be a good jobs report. We knew that you'd have to make some adjustment for the fact that the GM workers who were on strike and, and depressed the number in October, their strike ended after the reference week of Octo- in October. They're back to work, and so their numbers would appear in the November uh, figures. That number's about forty to 42,000 workers that would come back to come back to work and so we all thought okay so that number's likely so you're going to add on the census workers you're going to add back the gm workers which will better not in the adp report um but that still probably puts us in around 60 or seventy thousand jobs and everyone was still hanging with with predictions Frankly, the ADP number didn't move many people in a downward direction. Or they shaved a little bit, but they didn't make sharp adjustments. Why? Because, in fact, the ADP report is a noisy report. And a one-month move in ADP, up or down, contains so much noise that it's hard to actually rely on the signal then say, oh, well, because ADP was down, therefore the the Friday jobs number is going to be down. It doesn't usually work that way. And it really doesn't work that way when you've got things like census hirings coming in and out of the data, when you've got, when you've got strikes uh, causing uh, workers to fall off the uh, jobs report in one month and then reappear in the next month. When you've got all that noise going on in the data, you are bound to have poorer predictions being made off of any indicator series that you might have. Now, because some people might be listening who are new to this, um, I don't like doing a lot of biography on the show, because many of my listeners are long-timers, but, but just to, just to say, say this, for anyone that might be listening that's new to this, and so what the heck do you know about this? When I was hired as a professor of economics at St. Cloud State, and yes, I, I do have a Ph.D. in the field, uh, side channel to the fellow who's been barking at hot air for the last, for the last uh, few days. Um, when I was hired here, I was hired to basically teach three classes, plus the principles of economics, which we assume any economist with a doctorate can go teach principles. They assume I can teach, they, they said, we want you to be able to teach macroeconomic theory. We want you to be able to teach money and banking. And if you've listened to this show for more than a week, you, you hear me 
go on and on about the Federal Reserve. And yeah, I will do that again today uh, because this jobs report is um, is newsworthy regarding the Fed. So we do all that. And then, and then the third course I was hired to teach was business cycles and forecasting. Now, we didn't have a graduate program back then, but in those days, if you wanted to learn how to do time series forecasting for a private business, a bank, uh, a manufacturer, or if you thought, you know, and it's not usually the case that that uh, folks with a bachelor's degree get hired into government to do forecasting work, but they have some passing understanding of uh, time series methods, um, you would take this course and you would get about six to eight weeks of training in in forecasting. And that's my, that was my job. And to do that, I actually build training models in which I teach people how to do forecasting and teach them very basic methods. And And my methodology in teaching people how to do things is... Here is how you do it if the only thing you have at your disposal is a spreadsheet. Now, back then, when I was hired in 1984, we most most everybody didn't even have Lotus 1, 2, 3 at their disposal, let alone Excel. So, I was still, I was had just graduated from having punch cards to actually being able to put, put code into... A, a dumb terminal connected to a, a computer in another building on campus. And so I've always worked from very simple methods. The forecasting of, of jobs is a pretty simple thing. If you take a look at any, if you take a look at the number, you just take it and I just say, okay, start by taking it and plotting it on a graph. And in 1984, when I was hired to teach here, I used to have my students, I would give them the data, we would copy it out of a, out of a paper government document that I would have copied in the library, walked from the library on the sneaker net, as I like to call it, back to my classroom, and I would hand them graph paper. And the one thing you know about employment is, it goes up pretty much every month. If you just plot it on a graph and you say, what's the level of payroll employment in the United States? It's an upward sloping line with every once in a while little little wiggles down and then it goes right back up. Okay? That's what economic growth looks like and in the United States and in many countries around the world. Growth, growth happens that way. That's not what we're talking about. We're actually talking about the changes in it. And the change in the payroll employment number of 266,000 is a big change. But if you plot it back on the levels and you just talked about the, the, the changes from that generally upward sloping line, the difference between 100 and 200 frankly doesn't look like very much. Remember, we're talking about a number that's about 150 million. So we're asking if it's at like 150 million point one or 150 million point two. Well, let me go. I don't have to guess at it. I can just go look up for you the exact number in the establishment survey. Okay. If I look and say how much is the so this is the change in in it 266 thousand. But what's the total level of employment that lies underneath it? I can. I'll have to. I'll have to screen back and and grab um, and and grab the uh, the entire the entire number here. Um, do do do. Just do that. If I go out and get the entire number, yes, it's a it's a hundred and fifty two million. So the question is whether it is not a hundred and fifty two point two million or hundred fifty two point one million. If you put those on a, if you put those on a on a piece of paper, and you and you sit and you try to draw them, guess what? Your pencil's not doing anything different. My point is this: the difference between three thousand and two hundred sixty-six thousand, when you're talking about a 
when you're talking about a number that's 152 million isn't all that big and yet we are all having we're all doing handsprings about whether or not one number is related to another number i'm going to give you an example let me just go to the very let me go to this to the very end this is peter buckvar who uh, works for a bleakly uh, advisory group he's a very very fine forecaster this is just the last paragraph of the note he sent to his to his uh, his clients at the at after the jobs report came out. Smoothing out the noise has three months job growth paced at two hundred five thousand, with the private sector making up two hundred thousand in it. ADP's three month private sector average is at just one hundred four thousand. These are unsustainable discrepancies, and only through all of the revisions will it be reconciled. The six-month average is 196,000, the 12-month average is 184,000, and the 2018 average, 223,000. The truth lies somewhere in the middle of the ADP and the BLS surveys. That last sentence, you don't know. With all due respect, uh, Dr. Buckler, you don't know that, nor do I. The truth might be the ADP number. The truth might be the BLS number. The truth is probably somewhere in between. Averaging them out takes some of the noise out. I get that. But you can't just average those and say, well, it'll be somewhere in between that. Probably. But in the bigger scheme of what these numbers look like, we're talking about things happening in the third or fourth decimal place in terms of the volume, in terms of the size, the magnitude of these numbers. And it's way too easy to get really bent around the axle about numbers that, frankly, aren't altogether that different. But we'll dig into them anyways, because that's what we do on Jobs Saturday. We'll be back after this. This is the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. There's a lady in a turban. Limitless access to business and investment strategy. Listen to Business 1440 with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities and invest worldwide. Message and data rates may apply. Please don't text while driving. If you've been in business more than 20 minutes, you've probably printed your logo on all kinds of promotional products. We all know logos work because they're on everything from the top of skyscrapers to the bottom of shoes. Ever wondered why or how to best use your logo to grow your business? Let us show you today for free. We're 4imprint, promotional product experts at your service. We're giving away the latest issue of Amplify, the digital magazine that reveals promotional product success stories absolutely free to everyone who texts BAG11 to 88988. At 4imprint, we make your logo look perfect on thousands of promotional items. With our 100% guarantee, it'll be right the first time, on time, every time. Your free e-magazine will reveal invaluable insights that can attract new customers, build your brand, and grow your business. Get the latest issue of Amplify absolutely free by texting BAG11 to 88988. That's BAG11 to 88988. This is Dan Proft for townhall.com. New York Times columnist David Brooks wants Democrats to drop their impeachment gambit. His colleague Brett Stevens wants Democrat presidential candidates to pare down their essentially socialist proposals that would Venezuelaize the American economy. And the brothers Emanuel, my former mayor Rahm and Ari, don't think it's a good idea to tell 150 million Americans that even if they like their private health insurance, they don't get to keep it. And what's the response? Elizabeth Warren continues to push her complete set of Marxist fantasies. Joe Biden calls for fossil fuel company executives, yes, to be imprisoned, and Pete Buttigieg wants to decriminalize all illegal drugs in the face of the opioid crisis. As we enter the election year, Democrats are divided into two camps. One wants to defeat Trump at the ballot box. The other just wants to exact vengeance on Trump voters. All the candidates to this point are in the vengeance camp. I'm Dan Prop. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, preparing leaders for the public square. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. When it comes to replacing your windows and doors, ignorance is not bliss. You only want to have to do it once, and you don't want to make a mistake. Great Plains Windows and Doors has been helping homeowners all over the Twin Cities with their replacement needs, utilizing the entire line of Anderson Core product, including the most popular 400 series, which contractors trust the most, and they're made right here in Minnesota. 
Now that sounds like bliss. For a truly remarkable experience, contact Great Plains Windows and Doors at greatplainswindows.com. Smoked turkey pulled in tender sauce to delight. 2141 Cliff Road in Egan and at rackshackbarbecue.com. Get that Rack Shack attack. Rack Shack barbecue. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. This is 1440. It's um, it's Jobs Saturday, and jobs plenty we have in the jobs report. Uh, let's go. Let's let me go back to uh, the table I was trying to work with here, um, because we're talking about. I'll, I'll let me briefly talk about the household survey, which was which was a little bit of a bounce back in the other direction. So my story is is this today. There's a lot of noise in the data. You can crow if you like. You can not crow if you if you if you don't want to crow, don't. You can say there's a lot of noise in the data, but you can't say this is a uh you can't say this is a bad uh jobs report pretty much under any circumstance. The unemployment rate ticked down to 3.5 from 3.6. Let me point out that if you actually do the number out to the second decimal point. Yeah, I know. I'm a stickler. I do these things so you don't have to. The range over the last four months has been 3.52 and 3 point to 3.56. But we've been interpreting the 3.52 is 3.5. The 3.56 is 3.6. It's bigger than it looks. Okay. You know what? Four hundredths of a percent in the unemployment rate is is statistical noise. This unemployment rate has stayed pretty much constant throughout this period. The civilian labor force participation rate ticked down one tenth, but it's the same story. It's actually it's actually wiggling around about six hundredths of a percent. So it sometimes rounds up to the sixty three point three and sometimes rounds down to the sixty three point two over the last three months. But it's certainly up from 62.9 back in November of 2018. And indeed, the number of people not in the labor force over the last year has fallen, even though the population has risen by about 1.3 million people. Okay, in terms of the institutional population, the labor force itself has grown by 1.6 million. The people not in the labor force has fallen by Almost three hundred, about two hundred and seventy thousand. Again, in numbers that are, represent about two hundred sixty million people, two hundred seventy thousand is a one tenth of one percent number. It's not that big a deal, but, but, it's still to some degree progress, and most of that progress seems to be happening. For people with lower education, uh, working in the goods-producing sectors of construction and manufacturing. In terms of the in terms of the uh, jobs for which a bachelor's degree is required, though that particular group isn't participating any more really than it seems they had before, based on some data that's not in this report, but but in other reports that I've looked at. Uh, job losers, uh, including people who've completed temporary jobs, was up 132,000 workers, but the number of job leavers down 72,000, re-entrants down 39, new entrants down 41. That might be the worst bit of news actually in this piece. I know people are going to talk about wages, but I'm going to get to that in a second. But the long-term unemployed, those who've been unemployed for more than more than three months, has fallen by 67,000 in the last month and is down about is is down approximately approximately 30 30 about 42,000 in the last year. So people who are looking people who have been looking for work for a while are finding those jobs. We're seeing some pull up of people into the labor force. And this relates to the piece that we that uh, I'm going to talk with Ed Morrissey about during the next segment. 
Um, this piece was written by was in the news in the New York Times or on their Upshot uh, blog, which I follow. I think it's a great blog, and I'm a fan of Neil Irwin, uh, the author of this piece. I like his work. I think he's a very fine uh, a very fine economic observer. Um, and he starts with. There are a lot of good things to say and a few bad things to say about November employment numbers that are published on Friday. He does the recitation just as we've been doing. He talks about the fact that, that the labor force participation rates uh, uh, kicked down a tick and uh, an average hourly earnings continued growing only at a moderate pace, up 3.1% over the last year. But it feels churlish to complain when the big picture numbers are so good. What's the next word in this in this essay? Still, there's a bigger lesson contained in the data, one that is important beyond any one month's tally of the job numbers, that the American economy is capable of cranking out cranking at a higher level than conventional wisdom held as recently as a few years ago. We talked about this last week. We did. We talked about the fact that that back in 2017, the forecast for where we would go, where the economy would go, would be to have about 150,000 workers. We have 152 already. We were not expecting to have 152,000 employed. 152, excuse me, 152 million employed until 2024. We're already there, almost five years ahead of schedule. Okay, we've already reached it. Now, now, it is interesting that he says this. We got much further than we thought we could back in 2017. In 2017, Irwin writes, the CBO forecast of 4.7% unemployment, uh, as far as the eye could see, and that the, US, the United States labor force would consist of 163.3 million in 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 2019 that's in the, the the labor force that includes the people who are actively looking for work the average over the first 11 months is 3.7% the labor force is now at 164.4 billion people there are 1.1 million people more participating in the labor market than was anticipated less than 3 years ago so irwin's agreed with us on this point now, he turns this into an entirely different point of view, saying, well, you know what, we didn't have to cut the budget deficit during the, the, the Obama years as much as the Republicans made us do that. The Fed didn't have to raise interest rates as fast as they did because they didn't need to worry about inflation. They didn't need to do any of that. And so we've made policy mistakes. We haven't been easy enough We've been too austere in our budget, which is approaching a trillion dollar deficit. Right? We, you know, we've 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 messed things up for years. Whenever there had been a strong jobs market, this is toward the end of his piece. Irwin writes, whenever there has been a jobs strong jobs report like the one issued Friday. Markets viewed it as hawkish for monetary policy, as tilting the balance toward more interest rate increases. But this time, analysts and financial markets seem to take the big-time job growth numbers in stride, given they weren't accompanied by any signs of ill effects from the low unemployment rate and strong growth. People often say this expansion, now in the 11th year, is growing long in the tooth, or that we are late in the economic cycle, and maybe that's right. But the biggest lesson, when you contrast where the labor market stands at the end of 2019 to where people, where smart people thought it would stand just a few years ago, is there's a lot we don't. There's a lot we don't know about just what is possible and how strong the U.S. economy can get. It's, in other words, it's not. It's not that strong, right? Well. On CNBC yesterday morning, Joe Curtin had on uh, Jim Cramer, okay, uh, Mitchburg wannabe Jim Cramer, and um, and he plays, and 
we got to play this. White, if you can find, if you can dig up the clip for me quickly. Um, this is Jim Cramer on CNBC after issuing the job report, and see if you can pick up on this like I like I did when I first heard it. Let's play that clip if you have it. There's a fellow by him, Michael Semblis. I don't know if you know him, but he is the uh, chairman of market and investment strategy at J.P. JP Morgan. He came up with a list of what the cable companies, cable, CNN, MSM, what do they cover? The number 16th, 16th is positive economic news. All the rest of them are negative. So you know what's going on here, Joe. People don't want to say good things. And this is the best number I've ever seen in my life. All right. Now, Jim Cramer... I will be honest, and, I, and I'll ask Ed if he knows this, because we're going to play that again for Ed. I don't know Jim Cramer's politics. I think John Joe Curtin is probably a little a little right of center. Not much, but maybe a titch right of center. I have no idea what J- Jim Cramer's politics are. That's why I, that's why I watch him, okay? Um, I, because I don't know. I, I want to I, I want to try to understand. I, I'm he's entertaining. He's funny. I do not take his investment advice. Right, I don't invest. I don't invest based on things that uh, Jim Cramer says, but I find him entertaining and occasionally quite interesting. But that cut is really interesting, right? Even in the in the depths of great news in the economy, two hundred sixty six thousand jobs. The New York Times publishes a piece by a really smart guy that says, "Well, this means we we messed up before. We should have." This growth, this this economy could have been even better if we just hadn't raised, if the Fed had not raised interest rates as much, if the Republicans hadn't forced uh, uh, President Obama to cut spending in these places, we hadn't had budget control rules in place. If we had not done any of that, this economy would be better than it is right now. It's not that great. We'll ask Ed Morrissey, uh, proprietor of HotAir.com, about that right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. They convicted an innocent man. Michael B. Jordan. Your life is still meaningful, and I'm going to do everything possible to keep them from taking it. Academy Award winner Jamie Foxx. You don't know what it is down here when you're guilty from the moment you're born. And Academy Award winner Brie Larson. I don't want my son growing up knowing that his mom stopped doing what was right just because she was scared of You ain't quitting, is you? No, sir. Just Mercy, Hitty PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now playing in select theaters. Everywhere January 10th. Directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. Limitless access to business and investment strategy. Listen to Business 1440 with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities and invest worldwide. How does the baby move in your tummy? How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby, inside and out of the womb. Not just after birth, but nine months before, at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the key word pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America. Want your computer fixed right the first time? Arby's is the place. Hi, this is Randy from Arby's Computer Service. Why is it that your cell phone is replaced every two to three years with no thought about cost, but when it comes to your computer in your office, you try and hold out five to six years or longer to do the same? Arby's Computer Service. 
What is that loss in productivity doing to your bottom line? Do you know that we can sell you a brand new commercial computer that is super fast for less than the cost of your new iPhone or Android phone? Why are you waiting? Call us today. We can be reached at 763-441-3884. That's 763-441-3884. Or on the web at rbsmn.com. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. Your Amazon smart speaker is now your all-access pass to financial strategists, economic pros, and more. Tune in with Alexa. Just say, play Business Radio 1440. That's play Business Radio 1440. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. Thank you for listening today. On the line, my good friend, um, who we need to get together and talk about 80s sitcoms sometime soon with our with our mutual friend, Mitch Berg. We're going to do that someday soon. Ed Morrissey, proprietor of HotAir.com. Good morning, Ed. Thank you for taking some time out of your uh, Saturday to spend it with us. Well, good morning, King. Great to be back on with you. Yeah, thank you so much. So, Ed, this is sort of I've I've just read. Uh, I've we'll tweet out your two pieces uh, on the jobs report here in just a moment. We've already tweeted them once. We'll just re we'll we'll retweet. But Ed, I'm gonna do a I'm gonna play a couple things for you. Then we'll we'll transition to Neil Irwin. But i so yesterday afternoon. Um, I was running errands most of the day and then and then luckily ran into another couple and we had dinner with them. We had seen them for years and it just turned out to be a fantastic time. So I get home, I open up the phone, I see the Axios PM piece and it starts with, that. here's the heading, Ed, mass shootings as international incidents, stellar jobs number, crazy stat on the Irishman. I read it. I go through, and of course, most of it's about the the terrible shooting at the uh, at the base at the naval air station in Pensacola. That's fine. I, I would probably have led with that too. And then they always do this section: what you missed. Ed, here's the five things they missed. They they said what what I missed. Five hundred legal scholars and law professors signed a letter saying that Trump had engaged in impeachable conduct. <gasps> oh, pardon my yawn. Uh, Mike Bloomberg told uh, CBS this morning that Bloomberg's staff will just have to live with the decision to not investigate him to not not investigate him to all the 2020 presidential Democrats. Bernie Sanders' 150 billion dollar plan to increase broadband internet access. Uh, yawn. Elizabeth Warren is in excellent health, according to a doctor's report. And then uh, a story of uh, Did you know that she's in excellent health, Ed? Um, I know that. Fa- yeah, fantastic. Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg, there's a there's apparently a non-disclosure, an NDA that keeps uh, keeps anyone from talking about his time at McKinsey, and then of course we get the the stat about uh, the Irishman, the fact that only 18 percent of people could watch it all in one sitting. Not a surprise. Um, and I keep looking around. It's like, okay, so what did you write about the jobs report? There's nothing in here, Ed. There's nothing in here. You know, it was the best jobs report we'd had in a year. So yeah. it's, it's somewhat newsy, I think. Uh, I, well, I'm actually not terribly surprised, although I'm kind of surprised that, that Axios didn't cover it. Uh, well, Ed, but, Ed, let me play this for you. This is Jim Cramer yesterday on CNBC with Joe Kernan uh, on Morning Squawk about, I don't know, probably about 40 minutes after the release of the number. Play that clip, Wyatt, please. There's a fellow by him, Michael Semblis. I don't know if you know him, but he is the uh, chairman of market and investment strategy at J.P. JP Morgan. He came up with a list of what the cable companies, cable, CNN, MSM, what do they cover? The number 16th, 16th is positive economic news. All the rest of them are negative. So you know what's going on here, Joe. People don't want to say good things. And this is the best number I've ever seen in my life. That's Jim Cramer, Ed. On... On a station that uh, it's not that is not Fox Business. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> right. What? CNBC what? What? is not Fox Business. Right, right, right. right. And that's, that's not Stuart Varney. That's the reason why I was surprised by that story in the New York Times too. Yeah, I mean, imagine that. So let's 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 hop over to that because so so Ed has posted uh, uh, posted the piece. I've tweeted it out at. Pound KBRS, I invite you to, to to search it out there. We'll put it back up at the top of the chart. 
And and you talked about this in terms of looking at the, the numbers, but this is Neil Irwin. We've read the piece to people just before you came on. What was your reaction to the Irwin piece? I actually was impressed by it. Because yeah. I never expected to have that piece run in the New York Times outside of maybe an, uh, maybe an opinion piece. Yeah. This isn't an opinion piece. This is the upshot. This is their analyst piece. And uh, Neil Irwin is their analyst. And I was actually impressed by this because um, this has been a sore point for me for several years now. Because, uh, you know, I'm not... I'm not a trained economist, but I have taught myself how to read, with your help, actually, uh, how to read jobs reports and how to read those statistics and how to understand the different dynamics that are in there. And I'm not going to compare myself to a, you know, a, a, um, you know, a doctorate in economics, but I do know something about how markets work. And I have been arguing for years that, the, uh, that there was a large overhang of discouraged workers from the Great Recession that still hadn't been resolved, and that's the reason why wages were still uh, stagnant, and that it was, government regula- it was regulatory tax and monetary policy that was keeping that, from, keeping that dynamism from, uh, from manifesting itself, the normal dynamism that you get in a recovery. And it was delayed for years. And I had people on Twitter and elsewhere, <laughs> blogs, um, other commentary, who were insisting that, no, 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 everything's changed, the, the traditional application of supply and demand doesn't, doesn't work anymore, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, economics didn't change just because Barack Obama was in office, and it's not going to change just because Donald Trump is in office. And it was just really frustrating trying to argue with people who were insisting that we had full employment in 20, what was it, 2013, I think, when they started talking about, oh, we're, we're at full employment. We weren't anywhere close to full employment. We're not at full employment now. And yeah, well, it, that's the point Irwin makes. That's right. Right. And, and, we don't know right. what full employment looks like. Right. And, and so, I mean, my, my Twitter stream includes people, uh, say, uh, Joe Santelli, on, uh, who would have been also on CNBC yesterday, uh, saying another funeral procession for the Phillips curve, which is the relationship between unemployment and inflation. Well, the key to the un- to the Phillips curve is actually knowing what the what full employment rate of unemployment is, and and right. as you just said, Ed, we don't know what that is anymore. No, and Neil Irwin was was very, uh, I think, forthright in saying yeah. that we made a mistake, and it was an extremely costly mistake. I mean, we kept Americans out of work for years longer than they needed to be because we weren't we weren't uh, forming these policies in the regulatory tax and uh, monetary areas in ways that would unlock capital to create new jobs, to create new markets, to expand the American economy in the way it should be expanded. Instead, we were tinkering around with really foolish, short-term, useless stimuluses like the like the, uh, the 2009 stimulus package, most of the 2009 stimulus package, and programs like Cash for Clunkers, which all... Right. all all those programs did was just shift demand up a couple of months or, or a quarter or, or two quarters uh, quicker than they would have all, they would have already manifested themselves, and all they did was subsidize purchases that were already going to be made anyway. Yep. Uh, no, I agree with that. And so, and so this morning, Ed, in the Wall Street Journal, and I tweeted this to folks at, at Pound KBRS uh, this morning, uh, is 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 this point here even as deregulatory is deregulation tax reforms and energy exploration are lifting up more workers our political classes want to raise taxes harass tech companies eliminate fossil fuels and let the government set prices in health care and determine investment for even more of the economy it you know so here's here's Irwin in the new york times saying in essence who's who by the way does not mention that first part, the deregulation, the tax reform, and, and increased energy exploration. So there's no credit given to the current administration because, as, right. as Kramer says, they don't want to give credit to that. But, in fact, it's, it's you know, the, the, watching the 2020 campaign makes, feels like sort of a back-to-the-future sort of, sort of thing. They're going back to a set of policies that were espoused, you know, both in 1976 and in 2008. Well, what's frustrating about this is that 
the reason why everybody, and this is what I write in my piece too, the reason why everybody was, was making these assumptions is because they wanted to promote the idea that Barack Obama was the savior of the economy. And they wanted to also promote uh, in 2016, 2015, 2016, that Donald Trump didn't know what he was talking about and that um, his ideas were going to be ridiculous and it wasn't going to do anything for the economy. All it was going to do was help the rich. And, I mean, I don't know that the... I don't think the tax reform package was perfect. In fact, I was pretty disappointed with it. But it, it did do a couple of key things. One was that it unlocked capital from overseas so that American companies could bring it back home without penalty uh, and then put it to and put it to use here. And it also... Um, it also allowed uh, people to spend more because consumer spending is, you know, the driver of our economy. Both of, both of those things, I think, are, are healthy. And uh, I don't think either one of those things necessarily helps the rich as much as it helps the overall economy. And even if it does help the rich in part, I mean, part of what you want to do with monetary and tax policy is you want to incentivize people to put their capital to work rather than hoard it, which is what was going on. And that was what was going on during the entirety of the Obama administration. They were hoarding capital. Now we're not hoarding capital as much, I would say. We're not hoarding capital as much. And so we're getting an economic expansion. We're getting more investment. We're creating more jobs and putting more people to work. Yep, we are. And and it's it's interesting. You know, you know Ed, the, this is actually only the second best article in the New York Times in the last 48 hours. I know which the one best is the, one was. I know which one is the best? But go ahead, King. Yeah, the David Brooks, the David Brooks right. piece. Do you agree with me? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's just this one sentence. Or I'll just read. I'll read two sentences. I came to realize that capitalism is. He says he was a socialist as a young man. Guess what? So was I. I mean, I, I, I worked on. I, I worked for McGovern in '72. You know, as a, as a 16-year-old door knocker in New Hampshire. Um, I came to realize that capitalism is really good at doing the one thing socialism is really bad at, creating a learning process to help people figure stuff out. If you want to run a rental car company, capitalism and feedback loops that tell you what kinds of cars people want to rent, where to put your locations, how many cars to order. It has a competitive, profit-driven process to motivate you to learn and innovate every single day. Isn't that, in fact, what we're getting out of Washington when they're allowed to do what they want to do? Well, it, it, basically, the, the reason why I, I really like the, the, um, the Brooks piece is because I like the original piece, which was um, Hayek's Road to Serfdom, yeah. right? I mean, right. basically, right. He's, he's reiterating uh, Hayek's argument, which is that economies beyond you know, a commune, you know, a small commune, are so complicated, and there's so many different um, motivations and, and values and aspirations of the, very, of the myriad of people and uh, entities that are uh, participating in it, is that there is no possibility that you can do central planning and have, it, and have it work. It's just impossible to do. And so capitalism allows, as Brooks said, as Hayek said, the, um, the feedback loops, uh, the learning mechanisms, and the, um, the use of self-interest in, in order to uh, provide some checks and balances, and then the role of government in that case is to be an independent uh, arbiter and to regulate against you know, fraud and, um, and theft, but, right. Uh, right. but not, not, to, not to manipulate, not to be a, uh, a participant. But the proper role of government in there is to be a referee. And That's, when you get away from that, then you get cash for clunkers. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Ed, hang on the line. We'll be back. We'll be back to talk about that talk about more about this and about the jobs report and then then, then maybe get a quick uh, quick take on what's happening in the UK with elections coming on Thursday. Uh, you're listening to the King Banyan show here on Business fourteen forty. Business 1440 is KYCR Golden Valley. It is that time of the year to look ahead and make resolutions. But this year, can you keep them? Tune in to this week's Money Matters with Alan Mike as they talk about where we're heading in 2020, things you should be watching for, and the resolutions that must be part of your plan for financial success in the new year. Make sure you listen to Money Matters with Alan Mike, 2 p.m. Sunday on Business 1440, or you can call them right now with your questions, 855-231-6010. 
It's time to sit back and enjoy the holiday cheer. And HomeAdvisor is here to give you a hand with any last-minute lingering home project on your to-do list. From minor repairs to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you with top-rated pros in seconds. Read reviews from your neighbors, request quotes, and check the project cost guide to see what others paid for similar projects. To find the right pro at a fair price, go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app. And happy holidays from your friends at HomeAdvisor. Looking for future leaders we can trust and believe in? Look no further than the high school student-athletes right here in Minnesota. High school sports teach young people how to be effective leaders. It begins by making their grades and being on time for practice. It includes learning to listen, following directions, accepting responsibility, being a good role model. And it's about respect for officials, opponents, the rules, and each other. The result? It transcends sports. It gives us hope for the future. High school sports. There's so much more than just a game. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. If you are experiencing hair loss, let this be the year to make a new hairs resolution. I'd like to introduce you to the only permanent solution to hair loss. I need more hair.com. Hi, I'm Mike Greenlee, familiar voice with Minnesota hockey fans. If you have hair loss and want more hair, go to INeedMoreHair.com. You will find some of the most experienced hair transplant specialists in Minnesota. Their doctors have given patients from around the world, including some of the most prominent celebrities, a full head of hair, and they can do the same for you. Here's the best part. Their technique is so advanced, the results are guaranteed in writing, and their prices are the best in the business. Prices as low as $3 per graft. Their office is conveniently located in Egan. INeedMoreHair.com will allow you to see a more confident reflection of yourself. That's INeedMoreHair.com. The consultations are free, and the results are amazing. Check out INeedMoreHair.com for complete details. That's INeedMoreHair.com. Experience you can trust, prices you can afford. Let this be the year to make a new hair's resolution. Check out INeedMoreHair.com. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. We're visiting with Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com. I've retweeted his link to you. I've also put up, because there's some guy who argues that uh, Ed can't do a correlation between uh, ADP and uh, net farm, non-farm payrolls because he doesn't have a Ph.D. in economics. It's like, well, I, I'm his huckleberry, as I tell people. If you need someone to draw a curve, uh, if you need someone to draw a graph for you, um, I, I work for I work for coffee, um, so so I I got your back, Ed. The, gra- the graph and the the graph and the stats are up, um, so you're all set now. Uh, anyway, uh, Ed, I, I mean, what do you think happens? You know, happens between now and happens in 2020 in terms of these additional jobs reports. I mean, do we actually we don't. We've seen this number slow down from 2018. The, right. the, the, the general impression is that the tax reform has pretty much, the tax bill has pretty much run its course, and we're not going to see the big uptick in capital spending that uh, we kind of thought, although I see some evidence of it, but the conventional wisdom is not. What do you see uh, happening there? Well, I think there's a couple things going on here. First off, I'm, I'm not sure that um, that we've seen the full impact of of capital spending in part because right after we passed the tax bill we started touching off trade wars and when you are in a trade war the first thing you do with capital is you tend to protect it because you don't know where to invest right i mean it introduces all sorts of uncertainty so i think that regardless of what you think the trade war with china is necessary if you thought that the mini trade war we had with mexico and uh, a little bit with canada well actually with canada were necessary uh, for you know for negotiating out better agreements down the road. The, the, it still introduces that uncertainty. It still tends to spook investors, which means that they don't put their capital to work. So I, I think that that's probably true. I mean, just psychologically speaking, I think that probably there's some investors that were were ready to uh, were ready to start deploying some of that, and then decided, well, maybe we should keep it secure until we see how these things play out. And that's I mean that's part of what um, I write in in the post too is that. 
I've been also arguing, in fact, all this year, I've been arguing that we're still not getting to full employment and that the trade wars are, are, uh, are what is, is the biggest weight, I think, on the job numbers that we've seen this year. And you know, people who are Trump supporters have been arguing with me about this. And the numbers are the numbers, right? I mean, wages have ticked up, but they're not, they're not roaring upward. Um, they're doing better than they were during the second uh, Obama term, but they're not doing wildly better than they were during the second Obama term. We're in the threes, right? We're in the, sort of in the yeah. twos. And um, so that's, that's an improvement. We're getting there, but we still need to resolve the trade wars, and, um, and then we still need to look at um, calculating uh, monetary policy. Now, the Fed seems to have figured this out, right? The Fed has kind of... Yep. The Fed's kind of changed their, their tune in terms of uh, monetary policy. But, you know, tax and regulatory policy, I think that we still have some – I think we still have some work to do on that. But uh, And I would have much preferred to see a, a much clearer reform of the tax system uh, in 2017. It wasn't going to Absolutely. pass. Absolutely. But, but, but that's really kind of what you need in order to get to that that uh, 4% growth level at, on a, at a sustained level. Yeah, I haven't worked it worked out how to do the full radio segment about this, but my I'm working on a segment that's going to be called uh, Jay Powell for Man of the Year because who, what other person in government has ever basically come out and said, you know what, we were wrong, we've changed our minds, we're going in a different direction. Jay Powell did that, you know, in, in effect, right. he did that, and I think that, I mean, it's so rare, and and I I think I think he deserves a I think he deserves credit for actually. Uh, being willing to admit he was wrong. He was wrong in 2018, and he said so. Um, And and, and credit to that. And just quickly before we, because we we got a hard break in about a minute, what what do you think happens Thursday in the U.K. with the general elections there? I think that uh, Boris Johnson ends up with a narrow conservative majority. I don't think it's going to be as big as the polls thought it was at first, but I think he's going to have a majority. I don't think he's going to have to have a coalition to stay in power. I, I think he can finally dump the DUP. And and deal with and, and and well, he's already done that. I mean, he's done with the DUP, or they're done with him. Well, they're done with him unless he doesn't get a majority, <laughs> and then they're going right. to he's, he's going to have. They're the only people he's going to be able to make a deal with. So, yeah. um, I, I think though, I think he ends up with a narrow majority, a narrow conservative majority that will vote for whatever uh, deal he pushes through. That that well, let, let's hope for that. Uh, that happened. That election happens on Thursday. They got a little time to form the government. It'll be really interesting, and we'll we'll cover that next weekend. Ed Morrissey from HotAir.com. Ed, thank you so much. Enjoy your day. I know you got family around, so uh, enjoy the day with them. Thank you for spending a little time with us. Thanks, King. Always great to be on with you. Thank yeah, you. All right. We'll talk to you soon, and and we'll be back here uh, after these messages. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-880-7474. That's 1-800-880-7474. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-880-7474. SelectQuote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issue, and company, and other factors. Not available in all states. There is nothing that they won't do to get you the help you need to become a successful student at Online Trading Academy. My name is Brian. I've been with Online Trading Academy since November 2016. What OTA has done for me, they've really opened my eyes into how the financial markets work and how a financial advisor, how do mutual funds work and how do they make money and what the expense is to me for them giving me their advice. Teaching me that I can be in control of that is really helping me save the expense that they had been taking out of my portfolio 
The only criteria that you need is the internal desire to want to become a trader and take financial control of your life. Call today for a free investing class at 952-814-4410 or go to learnwithota.com. This is Michael Medved at michaelmedved.com for Town Hall. The new year brings new questions about the Democratic Party and its impeachment obsession. After urgent demands for Trump's immediate removal, Democrats suddenly slowed down the impeachment process, delaying a Senate trial and hoping to stretch out that proceeding to the beginning of 2020's primary season. The Dems mean to focus relentlessly on Trump's alleged unfitness for office to keep attention away from their own radical agenda. They know public opinion may be close divided on the president himself, but big majorities oppose such democratic priorities as outlawing private health insurance, racial reparations for slavery, tax hikes, open borders, canceled college debt, and the job-killing Green New Deal. The Democrats know that if they make the election a referendum on Trump's polarizing personality, they could possibly win. But a pitch for votes based on their stridently progressive platform would lose in a landslide. I'm Michael Medved. Sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. Your 